What's up guys, welcome to today's money. Thank you for listening, I appreciate you being here. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, there's a link for that in the description. And if you wanna jump right into the podcast, skip the next 30 seconds of ad space. What's up guys, welcome back. We've got an awesome episode for you today. We appreciate you being here with us. Before we get in, and I let Riley take the wheel, for today's episode before we get into it should finish that sentence i want to just plug the asfx trading journals they are available now check the link in the description wherever you're listening or watching this you're going to need this in your trading i guarantee it's going to make a difference so check out the link i know you're going to love it now riley what do you got for us today so a lot of people have been asking me um outside of social media in our everyday life how did austin get started in trading was he working another job like, what was he doing? What did his time look like? So I figured today I would ask him a bunch of questions to give you guys more of an insight of what it actually looks like when you're first starting trading and you maybe have a nine to five job or a different job and what that transition looks like to being a full time trader or whatever you want to call that. So let's start from the beginning. First, tell us, how did you even find Forex? I was on vacation in Florida with my dad in Tampa, actually, where we live now. Really? In this area. Yeah, not exactly in Tampa. We were like an hour south of here, but we flew into Tampa and drove. And I was working for Northwestern Mutual, studying to take my Series 7. So I was learning about options and trading and investing and all these new words that I really didn't know before. And Forex found me through Facebook because I was looking at like binary options. Do you know what that is? I've heard of it. Basically, price is moving. And you just bet if it's going to be higher or lower in 30 seconds from now, a minute from now, five oh, minutes yes, from now. Oh, yes, you have told me about yeah, that. Not really trading, just gambling. But yeah. it looks like trading. Um, binary options led me just to doing more research, like just falling down the rabbit hole. Same reason, like same way we go down rabbit holes now with consciousness and the mind and self-help and self-growth and all this. I kind of went down the trading rabbit hole. That's why I'm here today. So like that falling down the rabbit hole just had me looking on the internet, Twitter, Facebook, just a day trading stuff. And at that time, Forex was everywhere on Facebook because of the multi-level marketing companies. It was IML and Wealth Generators, these two companies that everybody in the whole world thought were going to be the next best thing. And it sucked because it it didn't suck. It brought me into trading and it showed me what Forex could be. But it very quickly, I realized it was not for real traders because at that time, I had already come from like the Northwestern side of business where like they talked about real traders like Mike Bellafiore and the guys that run SMB or Peter Brandt, who else can I think of? Steenbarger even. Like these guys that I always mention now were talked about there, but not talked about with those multi-level marketing companies. So Facebook and those, they sucked me in and showed me Forex, but then I quickly realized that I would not need them if I wanted to actually trade because all they need is signups. I didn't want to do signups. I had tried multi-level marketing. That would be four years before trading in college trying to get everybody to buy these energy drinks, Vima. So I knew multi-level marketing was not a business I wanted to be in, but I knew trading was the thing. So you found IML, mm -hmm. you were working with them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for you. You're still at Northwestern at this point or no? No. So hold on. I got to think. I was with IML still living in Glassboro, still at Rowan, still working at Northwestern, doing everything at the same time. And then I guess the next step was getting really sick. Like I always mention that I got like pneumonia. I didn't get diagnosed with pneumonia, but I had like a bad cough, like a flu kind of for a week. And I felt that it was because I spent too much time <clears throat> not taking care of myself, but taking care of my business, trading, school, social life, doing all these other things, my business, I call it. But I wasn't taking care of myself. And I think I made myself sick. So that was when I decided to leave school was around that time. 
and I was still working the internship at Northwestern, but I knew that that internship wouldn't be able to be held. I couldn't keep doing it if I left school. So I ended up leaving Northwestern, I think. I think this is all around the same time. Leaving Northwestern, going to Mass Mutual, working for them, same job as a financial advisor, still going down this route of like, I want to take my Series 7, still with IML, still trading on my own on the side, like trying to figure it out, doing all these different things at once. Um, but then trading really, like I think, took a turn for me. And it was when I started reading books by like one good trade. I read that book at that time. I read Steenbarger's Trading Psychology. I read The 12 Habitudes of Highly Successful Traders. So I remember reading those books and realizing that there were th- certain things that I was doing in my trading, trading while I had these other jobs in school and all this other stuff that I wasn't, that wasn't going to make me successful. So I had to change my habits, change everything. Yeah. So before we move on, paint a little bit for the audience what that looked like. When you say like you're trading and we obviously know it wasn't that great while you were juggling everything, but right. so I what did that, it look like for you in your day-to-day? Like did you trade well, I dropped in the morning? Out of school. Okay. So bef- in school? Either. In school, I was trading in the morning all through the night. That's what led me to getting sick. But once I left school, I had to make money. So I was still doing the DJ job on the weekends, DJing private events. And I was then doing DJ stuff for them during the week, sales, packing the warehouse, managing the logistics of staffing events and stuff like that. And that was how I was making money. So when I had that job, that would be my nine to five. But I wasn't like a typical nine to five where I had to be at a desk. I could be wherever I needed to be. Some days at the warehouse, some days here, wherever. So I could be on my laptop still trading. Um, so at that point, I would trade in the morning from like, I'd wake up at four, start trading at five, leave at seven, get to the office if I had to get there. That was the furthest distance I had to drive. That was an hour. So I'd be there by eight. And then I traded at my desk while I did calls or did other things. So I was like multitasking at the same time. And I'm very grateful to my old bosses for letting me do that. You know what I mean? Because it allowed me to be where I am today. So I had to multitask. Yeah. So whenever you were at this point in your life and you're trading, you're reading books. Inconsistent, just so everybody knows. Still not making consistent money. That's why I still had a job. What did your trading routine kind of look like in the sense of off the charts? Were you doing chart markups at this point or were you just kind of blindly throwing things and hoping it turned out to be a profit? No, at that time we already had the A1, which was like still what we use today. I think that's what we called it back then. It's the same signal. We just have changed the names as we've changed companies. But, and we've, Modified it slightly, of course, from what it was then to now. Um, But I was, with that signal, just testing that every day, looking for those entry signals, specifically just those couple of formations that we look for in the A1 system. So I was just looking for that every day, testing that, marking that up at night when I would get home from work to show myself that this was the pattern that I was supposed to be trading. Yeah, but where did you even, like, get this signal from? How did you figure that out? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm good at patterns and like I'm good with spatial recognition. Like I've always been good with basic math, but also more like the best way I can describe it is like building complicated Lego stuff with mm-hmm. like building blocks. Very patient with those things. Very rule based. Follow this checklist. Follow these rules. So I was always good at that. Like and my parents always used to say you have patience more than anybody. You know what I mean? For certain things. And being able to recognize patterns. Yes. So I guess a better question to ask would be how did you decide what indicators you were going to use to be able a to YouTube find video. these patterns? So I bought a YouTube course from these dudes in France and it was like 200 bucks. Couldn't speak to them. Couldn't understand them. Couldn't watch that because the guy in the video was speaking English, but I didn't take it seriously because I couldn't be a part of that community that I just paid $200 for. Couple of weeks go by. Swear to God, I paid another dude in America. I think he was in Florida. He's not existent on the internet anymore. He sold me the same course. So both of those people sold me the same video course, which was neither of their own. 
So they had copied it, stolen it, and sold it to me for $200. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I realized when I got the same course twice, something might be here. Let's check this out. So, so I did. Got and I watched that guy's course. Yeah, and it showed me in these indicators that I like to use. But I modified them. So I did research, like when he was talking about the TDI, I was like, okay, well, what's in a TDI? It's an RSI, it's two moving averages, it's Bollinger Bands. What's Bollinger Bands? Okay, let's figure that out. What's a moving average? How do you weight the moving average to the RSI? How do I tie that all together? Okay, how can I break this down if I need to break it down? We removed the Bollinger Bands pretty quickly into using the TDI. I didn't need them for what I was doing. Yeah. But it was pattern recognition. And then basic technical patterns, like the stuff in like the Candlestick Bible quote unquote, like when you Google show me candlestick formations, ascending formations, descending formations, pendants, triangles, wedges, a lot of that stuff works. It really does. Support and resistance does not work because it's too subjective. You can find support and resistance everywhere. But when price is consolidating into a a wedge formation and moving higher, that's a fact based on price. You can read the prices doing that. Support and resistance is subjective to whatever you think just happened in the past. But when it is forming a wedge because price is not moving as wide as it was, you can use that as a technical signal. It's shown over time for breakouts. Not that that's the signal that I use, but it was just one piece of the structure that I could use to find the patterns and match them with the indicators. So then I started to notice what the indicators were doing at the same time the price was moving. I understood what the indicators were gathering data from, so I felt that there was confluence in these ideas, and then it was just off to the races of like, how many of these can we find? And I went crazy, like 2017, 2018, even 2016. I have statistics where I was like documenting if it was... Some of you guys will understand this. Like, if the L50 was perfect or not perfect, how, what was my win percentage first in that? I was calculating this back then. Like, I've always been like this with my trading because this is what, like I said, the guys who I always plug, Mike, Steve, all the best traders, all of the books that we always push, that's what they were saying to do. I wasn't reinventing any wheel. Like, I did not come up with trading or how to be a good trader. I found a system that I like the indicators. It works in the Forex market. Hey, we had a great trade on GN today. It works. So I think it was just over time taking the indicators from those two courses, putting it together, and then just letting it forward test. So once you started to like finally see some consistency in your results and you were like, okay, like... I didn't leave my job right away. That was the first thing. I wasn't just going to say, when you first started finding consistency, what did your trading routine, your day-to-day actually look like? That was already set before I started making money consistently. So no- I found nothing really changed? Well, I found that I had to work out regularly. Some days I would just skip the gym because I wanted to just spend more time watching trading videos on YouTube or reading or doing something else. And that's not healthy. You know what I mean? It's just not. I'm overdone like that on a lot of things. So I think that was a, like already set in stone. I was going to the gym, making sure I still had time on the weekends to do my gigs because I still wanted money coming in on the weekends. I didn't have you. I didn't have any business around my trading. It was just trading. That was all I was doing to make money. So I, I was still DJing for a long time. I left the, the job during the week sooner than I left the weekend gigs. Because I still wanted that money coming in. You know what I'm saying? Until it got to the point where my trading account had really, what I would say, like a sufficient amount of capital so that I could live off of it if I wanted to. But even then, at that point, I got picked up by that company in New York and they wanted me to work for them. So now they were paying me more money to run a live room and run courses and sell courses and trade. So now I was diversifying my income stream. So it quickly, I was very lucky, the timing that it worked out. The prop firm- Don't say you were lucky. You put in the work. Luck is bullshit. They- The prop firm found me a year into me being profitable. I was still a baby. So I had a year and a half of losing money and then a year of making money. So I wasn't even making a lot of money, but they liked me. They liked my attitude. I could talk to the camera. I could make videos. So they kind of brought me in. And I worked there for like a year and a half until you came into the picture. And then we went off and did our own thing. So it's been 
steps. You know what I'm saying? Like it was never just like, boom, I sucked at trading. I got good at it. Now I'm making consistent money. No, I sucked. I got good. We built a business. I failed a business. I failed another business. It, it had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations to be what it is for me now, which is multiple streams of income. You know what I'm saying? But I'm no different from anybody. Like hopefully people watching this will see like with ASFX, we give people like look at the coaches, a platform for them to grow as mini me, a mini version of me. But now I get to be the guy that shortcuts their learning curve that I did not have. So now they can put out content and create multiple streams of income behind the way that they trade. Because the way that I trade, I realized when I was learning, I'm not going to learn really well from somebody that I don't jive with. So for me now in the position that I'm in, I know I'm kind of going on a rant, but for me in this position, I know that everybody watching this isn't going to like me, but that's why I want to give them Jace and why I want to give them Lindsay and and Ryan and Jerome and other options. You know what I mean? To learn from, they're going to make courses eventually. They're going to be still doing their one-on-ones for hopefully a long time providing value in their own way so I can give them that platform and it can be multiple streams of income for everybody. Yeah. So I feel like you kind of just skimmed right over this and I feel like you always do. That's why I wanted to do a podcast on this day. You're not really touching on what your trading day-to-day looked like. Like, How did you know when to do markups? What did you do if there weren't any trades? Like, What was your time when you were at the charts? What was your time spent actually doing? So I'll go back. I lived in Philly with a roommate for a while. And that's really where I, like when I was in Glassboro, before I dropped out of college, I would trade in the morning. Like I said, it was kind of like all over the place. My desk was in my room. Yeah, there's a fly in here. It's okay. My desk was in my bedroom because I shared an apartment with the dude. Like that was just what we did. So when you have your desk in your bedroom, you don't really know how to separate work from sleep. You're just, if you're not sleeping, you're working. That wasn't healthy. So when I moved into Philly after that, before I lived on my own, the daily would be wake up, coffee right away. Always. It's always been a thing. Red right? Keurig. Now we up- upgraded to the Nespresso. <laughs> Coffee's the first thing. Then I would always be the guy, even though I say not to, I would always be the guy to then open up my phone, see what's going on. Because we've always had group chats. We've always been trading as a community. It's always been growing. So we would all get on, see what's going on in the morning and see what kind of trades we could find. I figured out pretty quickly that if there's no trades within the first two or three hours of me sitting there, I'm probably going to force a trade that I didn't need to be in. And even if there is a good move and I could make money, I'll find a better trade at a better opportunity. I picked that up very quickly just from, again, studying other people that were making money consistently. So after 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, when we could see that the market is not painting entries anymore, we can see it slowing down. There's nothing for me to do other than go take care of myself. So that's my break time. It's always been my break time to go to the gym, go do other calls, go do whatever else I need to do. That's, that's changed. But then it's always come back at the end of the day, and I still do it now most days, come back after dinner, sit down for an hour, and do markups. Where were your entries of the day? That's what I would ask myself. Did I miss any entries? Were there any good things that I avoided? You know, potential fake outs, and I avoided it, which is a good thing. I wanted to see all of that because I felt like I was putting my name on the line with these systems saying that these are tested, they're proven. Well, okay, keep testing them because if they stop working, I want to stop saying that. Right. Just being honest. Like, this is my name. This is my business. This is going to be on the internet for my kids to see. So it's got to be legit. So that was like a driver for me too. Does that give you more of an idea of what my daily thing was like? Definitely. Yeah. I, the the gym is in there. Like food is in there. I eat food. <laughs> I'm waiting for my lunch right now. I guess the difference would be I used to cook uh, a lot more because I didn't have any money. And now I order out all the time. So I'm very grateful <laughs> for that. And I won't, I won't ever try to deny it because I, I, I just hate cooking and doing the dishes. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. We just won't even talk about me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Different podcast. So 
when did you realize how important psychology was in trading and what was like the first psychological things you started implementing? Or should we save this for another episode? No, this is good. I want to think. The book is One Good Trade. And I'm pretty sure I listened to it on audiobook first. And then I found the PDF, I think, online and skimmed it. But I'm pretty sure I listened to that audiobook in 2016. So I think I realized four years ago, almost five years now, something like that, that trading psychology, how I approached the market as a human, it was more important than the technical. Because at that point, I had a year of testing. A1s were working. I'm like confident in myself. I can go find more patterns. I can go do more. That's what led to the D1 and the D2. So the technical side, I always knew that natural evolution would push me forward to find more patterns. That's who I am. We wouldn't be here today if that wasn't. So the technical side, I didn't really push. That's why I have all these books about your brain and the way you think. Because I want to know why do 90% of people lose money in trading if it's something that I can make money in. I don't think I'm that great. So it confused me. So it motivated me out of my curiosity. What's going on in my brain? So I think there I turned to like the legends, the guys who have been in the business and spoken to a lot of other traders, Steve, Steenbarger. I keep plugging the same guys, but I love their <laughs> books. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's where I think it, I realized. And it was when I was losing money. You realize that the technical signals are fine. They're working, but you're taking too many trades or you're trading too big. Those are psychology issues. Those are risk management issues that you have to confront that has nothing to do with what you're doing on a chart. And I feel like a big one for you too, you didn't mention this, but I know it's a big one for you, is when you turned off the money switch and you started looking at everything in percentages. Well, because you get into trading because you want to make money, but nobody tells you that if you look at the money all the time, as you grow and you make more money, it's going to distract you even more. You think you're distracted by going up and down a couple hundred dollars in a day? Try going up a couple hundred or try going up a couple thousand dollars a day, then tens of thousands of dollars a day. You know what I'm saying? It's still going to distract you. So you have to separate. Percentage-based returns is always the way to go. And I realized that because you didn't have a bunch of day traders walking around like, I made a million dollars this month. No (laughs) one would believe that. Like, that's not reality. But you do have a lot of guys like uh, Jim Simons, a guy who I'm going to make a video about, one of the best traders of all time. We're in the medallion fund. 66% a year on average. It averages out to about that. Some years were greater. Some years were like 66% a year is his return. That's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. That to me seemed much more like, let me focus on my percent return, not my dollars. You know, Jim was not focused on his dollars to achieve that kind of return, let alone to be managing that much money. So to grow to that point, which I do eventually think I want to grow to, percentage returns are all people care about. Not how much money did you make? Did you make 10K on that trade? Well, if you made $10,000, but you risked $15,000 to make the 10,000, is that really a good trade? Yeah, no. No, but if you made... 30,000 and only risked 15. That's a good one. Take it two to one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that that's where it all kind of came together then. Well, I feel like we could wrap it up here. Food's going to be here soon. I think that that gave everybody a little bit deeper of an insight if they haven't already heard your story and how you kind of started as a little, little baby. And now I'm a grown ass man. You're a big baby. I'm a grown (laughs) Comment below if you guys have any questions that I didn't touch on. I know I can go and rant on about that. And there's way more information in my past if you want to know. Um, I just don't think it's super relevant to improving your trading. But maybe it is. Maybe you can feel like it's relatable and it can help you make better decisions. So let us know in the comments. Secret word? We just use blueberries. Um, Wings. Because that's what we're getting. There you go. (laughs) Comment wings. Make sure you check out the link in the description for the trading journals. We really appreciate this. I know you're going to love it. Thanks for being here, people. And if you need to like slow this episode down because he talked really, really fast, maybe there's an option on YouTube. I know you can speed it up. There is. 
get used to it. It's just me. Whenever you get going on rants it's and you're me. excited, you just really, really start going. I'm me. <laughs> what do you want? We love you. Yeah. We love you too. And we love all of you. You. Yeah. And you. Yeah. Okay. And me. En- enough love. I'm hungry. <laughs> if you Bye. enjoyed today's video, thumbs up, subscribe. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to Today's Money. If you want to check out the video that goes along with this episode, there's a link in the show notes. Now make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss any future episodes. And if there's anything that I can do to help you along your trading journey, please reach out to me. My contact info is in the description as well. Thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next episode.